Hello, and welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Krakowski, and I'm so grateful for you joining me today. So in this episode, I sit down with Colleen Conlon, RKC instructor, kettlebell coach, and author of Kettlebell Catalyst, a book specifically designed for women in developing strength and overcoming self-limiting beliefs. Colleen shares in this episode with me in detail her struggles with an eating disorder starting in her early teen years, and how her focus for a decade was just how can I be as small as possible. Eventually, out of sheer luck, she wound up working in a kettlebell studio, not knowing much of anything about hard style training, but got coached by one of the main instructors, and as she put it, she found herself in strength. And one of the amazing insights Colleen shares here is in her experience training to become a Guinness World Record holder, setting a benchmark for most weight lifted in the Turkish getup in one hour. And this wasn't just a simple attempt, fail, and overcome type story. Colleen shares how this journey, she had to completely stop training, essentially challenging her identity because of immense pain built up from scar tissue and pelvic floor issues in three abdominal surgeries. So Colleen is truly leading from the front as a coach. I'm so grateful she took the time to talk with me here, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you enjoy this episode, I hope that you can share it with a friend and help spread the message of strength. Thank you very much, and now let's get on with the show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And Colleen, thank you so much for taking the time. I've been really pumped to talk to you for a while, so this is going to be great. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I said you are the golden bell girl, I have to say. Like, <laughs> say it, I thought there was some crazy place that you found these golden kettlebells that you had. And it's kind of was like, yeah, no, it's just you can paint them yourself right there. But it's it's a beautiful that the optics are absolutely beautiful. So, you know, props on that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, w- I wish I could say there was like a better story with it, but I was just bored one day and I spray painted one kettlebell with a can of Rust-Oleum and it just, it turned into about 30 something kettlebells at this point. And, you know, and anybody can get their own gold kettlebell so long as you can order a can from Amazon. Just take the time. Yeah. I never knew people did that. And then my buddy, Kevin D, who I was working with him at a certification in Philly, he painted his, I think it was his 92 kilogram bell, like a Death Star from Star Wars. I love it. I love and, it. And I was like, cause we had one at the old <laughs> studio that I had, but I was like, dude, yours is way more badass." And then I started to see people who actually were painting all their kettlebells. I was like, wow, this is a whole different community out here. Yeah. No, I remember at the beginning, once I started painting mine, um, my coach's husband, he started painting all of his big kettlebells, like animals. Like he has a killer whale and mm-hmm. just like all of these crazy things it's cool it's like a little bit of a movement i think you know how are you going to design your kettlebells oh that's funny yeah we used to have because we like had the different characters of bells when i was in the studio before and a lot of people like wait like i don't what uh, we would ask like oh what kettlebell did you use last time i don't know the smurf and it's like or, <laughs> or, i use i use batman as batman was the 20k it's like okay it's like yeah there's getting some different correlations here but Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation, but no, seriously, on the, on the serious note of it, I've, I've followed your page for a while. I've seen the work that you've done, um, you know, with your book, Kettlebell Catalyst, um, really helping to promote strength specifically for women, you know, and it's funny because I've talked to a lot of badass women on this podcast. I've, some of the coaches that I've learned the most from, you know, have been female and it still seems like you know, it still seems like there's a little bit of a stereotype on it. And it's like, I don't see it as much because I talk to them all the time, but there still is. So the work that you're doing, especially to promote strength in women, I think is freaking awesome. So again, thank you so much for the work that you do and for the conversation we're going to have. 
Thank you very much. Yeah. So how did you get into this world? I mean, if you would just kind of start a little bit of the origin story to get started, what was it about strength training that really inspired you to want to get in and be a coach? Well, I, I ended up falling into strength training totally by accident. Um, it was never my intention to get into kettlebells or strength training at that. Um, but once I did, I started to fall in love with myself. So if I backtrack, I grew up in a household with a doctor for a dad and a group fitness instructor for a mom. And it was probably one of the most unhealthy households that you could grow up in. What I mean by that is, um, we had diet, everything. We had hundred calorie snacks of everything. I grew up on fast food. I thought it was just, you know, the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, and one day my best friend pulls me aside. This is when I'm in the sixth grade. And she's like, Colleen, everybody would like you so much better if you were skinny. And then she took me into the bathroom, grabbed a toothbrush and taught me how to make myself throw up. And I struggled with bulimia for about a decade starting in the sixth grade. So after that incident, I started waking up around 4 a.m. and I would work out before I went to school. Um, So for me at the time, you know, workouts were, you know, burning hundreds to like low thousand calories on the treadmill or Mm -hmm. the elliptical. Um, My mom used like really little weight. So I would do like lots of repetition of these small movement patterns And, you know, I was just trying to get as small as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And every day just really felt like a chore, you know, to wake up and be so focused on, I have to burn all of these calories so that, you know, I can eat something. And if I go crazy, I'm just going to end up in the bathroom throwing up for a few hours. It was just Mm -hmm. a really miserable, it was a really miserable pattern that was just nonstop. And then when I was... 17, I ended up having three of my four abdominal surgeries within a month and a half of each other. And the one thing that I felt like I had control over was getting to work out. Mm. But after having all of these surgeries, I couldn't work out the same way. All of those small little movements, like I was, I was the crunch queen. Crunch queen. Yeah. I was the crunch freaking (laughs) queen. And I remember after having all those surgeries, you know, there were, there I don't know why. I don't know why, Mike, because it makes no sense to me. But for some reason, there was no physical therapy for me after all of these operations. Really? Isn't that crazy? Like if some, like if my, if my. So it's just like, like, all right, just if it hurts, don't do it. Yeah. Like there was, I didn't see anybody afterwards to follow up from any of these procedures. Um, and I think part of that might might have had to do with the fact that my dad was a part of that hospital and he was like, she seems fine. But I wasn't, but I wasn't fine. Yeah. Um, so anyways, when I started doing all of my crunches again, I didn't feel my abs. I didn't feel my abs at all for about eight years. Wow. My my abdominal sensation did not come back until I started working with kettlebells. But more on that in a second. Mm-hmm. So when I get back to doing these things, I don't feel my abs. I'm starting to feel my low back and I'm starting to feel the front of my neck. And I'm just like, what the fuck happened to me? You know? So now I'm getting like even more crazy with keeping myself small. So I'm not just restricting food. I'm not just, um, throwing stuff up. Mm -hmm. Now I'm starting to play with like diet pills. I'm starting to play with laxatives. 
And it's just getting really, really messy. And it's starting to get really, really disgusting. Yeah. You know, um, by the time I get to college, I go to college for musical theater and I'm in a program with about 12 other people. And let's say eight of those 12 are all girls, brown hair, mm-hmm. light skin. They all look like me. So we're, yeah. you know, in a constant battle for a compete. Yeah. To, to compete. And It was just, it, it was one of the most miserable times of my life. And then I ended up meeting my husband mm-hmm. who is also in the fitness industry. And he was like, Colleen, like you're not healthy. Like the way you go about your life, um, it's just crazy. Like I would go all day not eating and then grab a box of Cheez-Its and a jar of Nutella and go ham at night. Mm. And he was like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I need to be small. And I really want abs. And he was like, well, that's, that's girl, that's not how you do it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I end up leaving musical theater and I'm trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Now that I have this college degree that I'm not going to do anything with. So as I'm trying to figure it out, I get started with group fitness. Mm -hmm. So I find my way to Equinox in New York city and I'm teaching like 25 group fitness classes a week. Mm-hmm. And it's still a really unhealthy lifestyle, yeah. you know, yeah. um, no strength training at yep. this point. And just I'm burn, getting, just burn, I'm, baby burn. Yeah. I'm burning my body yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm burning out. Right. And I'm like, Tim, my husband's Tim, I'm like Tim, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. And he was like, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you start working at my gym? Like you can begin, you know, personal training mm-hmm. and we'll start to kind of like go down that route. And I don't know about you, Mike. I love my husband so much. He's probably one of the smartest coaches I have ever met. We do not work well <laughs> together. <laughs> we just don't. I've, I've, I've got stories. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyways, I start my journey with him. He's he left Equinox at this point. He's mm-hmm. working at his own studio. Okay. And I leave and then I end up at like a bodybuilding studio. And that okay. was that wasn't for me either. I like still wasn't finding my groove. Um, and then I end up at another gym where I'm doing a combination of personal training and group fitness. And I'm still just like not in a good place mm-hmm. with my workouts, with my mentality, with anything. And then I get to a point where I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm not supposed to teach. Maybe I'm not supposed to train. Maybe I'm supposed to manage. So I find myself back in New York City managing a kettlebell studio. And part of my responsibility in managing this studio is, you know, teaching a couple of these small group classes. Okay. And... I don't know how I got hired for this position. I think they just like needed somebody mm-hmm. yesterday. And I happened to be the girl who walked in. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I thought you use a kettlebell the same way you use a dumbbell. It's not any different. Right. So one of the trainers comes up to me one day and so he's so nice. Like he's so, he's so nice. He's like, Colleen, everybody's talking about you on the team. We all know you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. Please let me help you. So you don't hurt anyone. And, you know, typically 
typically I would have been like, what the fuck? Yeah. Go away. You have no <laughs> idea. Right. But I really took it to heart and I let this trainer teach me. And, you know, initially the goal was just learn enough mm-hmm. so that I could teach people. And these trainers would just like get off my back. Right. And it turned into me learning the big six. Mm-hmm feeling really strong, really empowered. Cause it wasn't as easy as they all made it look. Yeah. And a few months into this journey, I got my first pull up, which was super unexpected. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to this trainer, his name's Brandon. I was like, Brandon, how did I do that? And he was like, you've been training your lots. Like you, got you should be able to, you got <laughs> so much stronger. And I was just in awe. And this was the first time where you know, I was using movement, not as a means to be small. Mm-hmm. I was using movement without realizing it, getting stronger, learning how to do something that's hard and not giving up. Yeah. And it allowed me to start really respecting myself and allowing me to fall in love with myself because I realized I can do hard things. I was so used to just like giving up. Mm-hmm. There's so many points in my life um, where things would get hard and yeah. I would just give up or run away. And this was the first time where I was, you know, given a task and I stayed the course and I realized this is so worth it. Yeah. And that's where it began. Wow. There's, there's so many threads I want to pull on that there. I mean, it's such a, it's such a beautiful journey there. The power of, performance, right. Of like doing something like a pull-up. Like if you can't do something like that before, like it's so, it's so different in so many ways of wanting to be small. Right. I mean, that's such a subjective thing. And, you know, I'm sure like anybody can look at their, their body in the mirror and see different things. One person might look at somebody and envy that person while they're looking at it being like, Holy shit, I'm so fat, like on this side. So but all of a sudden you step up to the bar and you pull your chin over. Like nobody can deny that. Like there's some different thing when you change those goals from a, just a subjective thing to like a performance-based thing that is so powerful. And I've seen it so many times and it never gets old. I still get chills thinking about that. Like with the pull-up or, you know, seeing people do a get up, you know, uh, you know, type goal that something attached with that performance, it's just so different and powerful and hearing you say that, like I can see the change that just can happen instantly in your mind. When you said that, like you still didn't feel like you were in a right place, like even when like you changed when you were doing group fitness and stuff, was it just how you felt in your body? Was it your mindset still was all over the place? Like, what did you, what do you mean by that? Um, I think at the time I just, I, I had yet to find people that were you know, my people like, so my husband, his, um, he has a really big affiliation with the great Institute and they're all about, Mm. you know, three-dimensional moving and, you know, feeling good, finding different ways to go about movement patterns. And that was great, but it didn't feel like something I wanted to dive into. And then when it came to like the bodybuilding world, it just wasn't something that I like felt pulled to. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like everything was leading me to this studio because I was meant to find kettlebells because I was meant to learn how to use them so I could teach other women how to use them. 
mm-hmm. and empower them for the better. And I th- really do believe like, that's why I've been pulled to all these different places, see what's going on. And then, you know, the universe has just allowed me to impact a lot of women in a positive way. And that's the really big thing that I'm hoping to do with this book Mm -hmm. is, you know, allowing other women to know this is, this is something I can do. This is not just for men. This can be for women as well. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, want more women to feel like I can come into this world and I can come into this world without, you know, without using a itty bitty kettlebell. Like recently, I don't know about you, Mike, but like my Instagram feed, it's always... (laughs) So we saturated with kettlebell coaches, but recently I've been getting more and more things of non kettlebell coaches using kettlebells. A lot of women with, you know, pink colors and baby blue colors with these like five pound kettlebells. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness, you're going to, you're going to confuse these people. Yeah, You are going to confuse these people. Um, so I want this book to really help women know that you can start with something that might you know, it might seem a little bit intimidating, but there's a safe way to go about it. Right. Yeah. It's uh, some of the images out there. It still is, you know, and people have seen like instructors from RKC or from strong first and almost thought of it as that like an elitist viewpoint of it because we're so technical on sound. But I remember it was not too long ago and we had a media person at a, at an old gym that I used to work at and they made a picture of like a poster because we were doing some new kettlebell classes. And I was so pumped because I was pushing it for so many years of like, we need to get this style of training more into it. And we were connected with functional movement, all that type of stuff. And they made this poster and they're like, what do you think? And it was this, you know, woman in a, you know, just a tank top, like a green tank top holding maybe like a five pound kettlebell with her wrist like this, like holding it off. And I'm like, we can't use this picture. Like, this is absolutely terrible. And I was the only one that was seeing that. And I kind of was in my head. I'm like, am I going too crazy and like zealot in my own way here? Like, do I need to ease up? It's like, no, it's like, there's like, you don't need these light little bitty weights. It's like, you can lift a lot more shit than you think from it. But it's still like, when you were kind of growing up in this area, I know you had, um, you know, the issues with the eating disorder and stuff like that. And I know your friend kind of, you know, introduced you to the toothbrush and all that, that you said, but you were also in musical theater. Like, was that demographic kind of almost more is like, cause I've heard like, there's a lot of issues with eating disorders and just kind of body dysmorphia in that world of musical theater. Did you see a lot of that? Like when you were going through that with a lot of the different people that you connected with my college roommate also had that's actually one of the ways that we bonded Bonded, so hard in the Mm -hmm. beginning like we would just stay up super late and like take turns popping pills in the bathroom Mm. um to get rid of whatever we ate um but to be honest with you mike i was i used to be so competitive that i didn't i didn't want to talk to anyone because I was afraid that they were going to say something that was going to impact my performance later on that day. Like I was crazy. Really? Okay. Yeah. But my roommate, I know she had a lot of issues. There were a couple of girls. I mean, honestly, Mike, I kind of think, I think a lot of, a lot of people, especially women that I've known over the years, unless you're, unless you're fully in the know with nutrition, 
I think everybody has a little bit of disordered eating. Mm. Not saying that that's a good thing. Just like in having conversations with people like food, food tends to always come up between women. I found in my experience between Mm -hmm. like just growing up over the past like 30 years. Um, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of things that people read without actually having an expert say, this is how you should be eating. Right. Depending on like what your goal is, be it maintenance, be it losing weight, be it, you know, putting on muscle. Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of confusion still within that area. I mean, even like going on Instagram, like I'm going to see a bunch of people who say they have a nutrition certification pushing weird juice detoxes. Right. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we should all be doing that. Yeah. It's, where do you think that comes from though? Like, do you think it's just, there's so much information out there that people don't know how to digest the proper things? Or is it more like, cause I think it's nutrition has such an emotional attachment to it mm-hmm. as well. I mean, I mean, there's, there's cultural things around it. You know, I come from an Italian family. It's like, you know, the, you know, food is a part of like love. It's a part of that culture. And there's then there's that emotional attachment that gets to it as well. That it just, it almost seems like nutrition is the hardest thing to, to dial in on a, on a collective like connection. You know, it's like, it's such an individual basis. And one thing that works for one person might not work for the other, you know, person. And it's just, just because that you think people just, I mean, I know people want quick fixes and stuff like that. I mean, that's never going to go away. We want to solve these things, but do you think it's just, there's too much information out there that people are pushing? What do you think? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Um, I think culturally that makes a lot of sense as well. And I think especially with women, you know, we've been trained for so long, smaller is better, smaller, sexy, smaller, you know, you just want to be skinny. And um, it's something that needs to be broken because it's bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So when you got in with, uh, it's Brandon, when he started teaching you like the mm-hmm. movements and stuff, did you feel that change right away like no. in your strength or did it took a gradual pe- period of time? It took time. I think in terms of the, tr- the strength specifically or the transformation with loving myself That's or both. Good. Well, I'm sure the transformation, I mean, is definitely gradual. I mean, was there a... Was there a specific moment you remember when you're like, maybe this is the track that I was really looking for all along? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because it has absolutely nothing to do with the kettlebells per se. So I, I was working with Brandon for a while. I decided to get my RKC certification. So I did my level one right after my level one. I decided to do my progressive calisthenics certification with Dragon Door as well. And it was like me, two other girls, and like 20 dudes. Yep. <laughs> and at the time, I like I remember the first thing that Danny and Al Cavaldo taught us was a single arm push-up, right? Mm-hmm. And like all of these guys are, you know, on the ground and like. Danny elevates me up onto like this high platform box and I'm like shaking and struggling. And the whole weekend is kind of like that mm-hmm. until we get to the human flag. Mm. So a bunch of men are like kicking up 
and it's super impressive. And I'm just like, well, what the fuck am I going to do with this right. one? Like, how are we going to regress this sucker? And it starts off where they had me hanging on a bar mm-hmm. vertically, right? And then I take a hand away and I push the hand against uh, the wall. Yep. And I can do that. And I can do it for, you know, a fair amount of time, like 30 ish seconds. I can hang out there. And then the cool thing about the place we were at is we had, we had a pole, but we also had stall bars. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys are able to get up on the pole. They put me over on the stall bars and they have me climb my feet up into position and I'm okay. able to hold a tuck flag. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am, I am the coolest person in the world. Like my mind is blown <laughs> and I'm able to extend one of my legs. And that was the weekend. I was like, oh my gosh, kettlebells and me are going to be like this forever because yeah. they're like, I, I can't say cardio got me there. Right. You know? Farmer's holds, single arm swings, doing all these things to focus on my grip strength, starting to get the sensation back in my abdominals, starting to, you know, mm. strengthen up all of those muscles to, to stabilize my trunk. Like that's what did it. Yeah. And that's what got me hooked. And that's what started making me believe like, maybe I'm stronger than I think I am. Ah. Uh. <sighs> and I want to push this now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting when you see those just, you just need that one example of that word, that line you just said, like, maybe I'm a lot stronger than I think I am. And I think like, it's so cool to see those barriers broken in. And it's funny, because I had a similar, you know, story with body weight based training, you know, it's oh, like yeah? when, when I trained for SFB and like, the one arm, one leg push up. that's our tests, you know, from there and like visualizing it and challenging it and actually maintaining that neutral spine throughout it's a challenge and a half and it's like with body weight training it's so interesting because you don't have an external load that forces you to contract like you have to mentally like engage and pull that together so doing something like a flag when you're kind of in that mode of like holy shit am i really doing this right now like this is fucking crazy you feel like you feel like you're magical like harry potter has to be on like the other side of the room like waving his wand at me i have no idea Mm -hmm. how i'm doing it but i'm doing it yeah Oh, that's so crazy. So when did you do progressive calisthenics? Was this down the line of where you doing kettlebells for a while already? It was already certified. Um, okay. I started with kettlebells a little over five years ago now. Okay. And I was working with them for about a year before I decided to get certified. And then within that same year, I ended up going to, to do the body weight certification. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, I went in for my level two. Gotcha. And that's how it's all kind of been like trickling around. Cool. Did you see an instant change when you went back to kettlebell training after doing the calisthenics work? Mm, I don't know if I could say, (laughs) I don't know if I could say that. I think Mm. for me going back to the kettlebells, I was like really hungry Mm. to push more. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause I found like those two just pair so perfectly together with the high tension base work that yeah. it's like, all of a sudden I was doing body weight training for six months, went back, all my lifts pretty much stayed the exact same, if not went up when I went back into kettlebell training. So interesting. Um, that's definitely not how it worked with me. I like mm-hmm. went for the weekend and then went right back to my kettlebell. Oh, like, gotcha. there was not, there, <laughs> um, 
what we need to do in order to pass the progressive calisthenic certification, I believe is a less, is a lot less demanding than what it is for strong first, like significantly okay. less. Um, so I, I was already like pretty good going in for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, like women do not have to pass a single arm push up. Oh, okay. Huh. Right. You have, you have to do that strong first, right? We have to, yeah. So women have to do the one arm push up. Uh, men have to do the one arm one leg from there. Okay. So, um, it's just the one test there's, it's been a while since I was there. Like that's the only standard for strength that you have to pass. There's some mm-hmm. technique stuff that you do, I believe with recertification, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, you know, message me out on that. But, uh, yeah, it's like do the pistol squat, do the hanging leg raise, you know, pull up handstand, but the one-on-one one, like push up, that's like what everybody freaks out about the night before of getting tested on. Got it. Gotcha. Um, so for me, it didn't really happen that way, but my husband put me on a program at the beginning of January. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I've been like crying myself a river as to, like why I don't have my pistol squat up until this past January. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put me on a body weight program and 12 weeks later, 18 kilo pistol squat. We got it. Let's go Yeah. without even, you know, really focusing on the pistol necessarily per se, but just doing all of that body weight training, gaining the awareness within the feet. Where can I create more tension? Yep. How can I best utilize these ground reaction forces? Mm-hmm. It's, it's magical. However, it's like, for me, I was at a point where I was like, I just need to figure this out. I will do anything. I've had other clients try and do some more of like the body weight stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works, but sometimes they're just like, oh man, this is boring. This sucks. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, so that can be a little, ch- I found that to be challenging at times, but I'm mm-hmm. a true believer that, you know, if you are spending that time focusing on the body weight stuff, it's going to significantly impact your lift. So long as there's, you know, an awareness as to why am I doing this? What am I trying to feel what, tr- what type of mind body connection am I trying to build? Yeah, it is. It's funny with, um, with training because Pavel actually spoke about this a while ago, which just kind of solidified the point that I had for a while of body weight is really the hardest to coach for a lot of people. Mm. We think that it's kind of like a beginner type thing. I'll just kind of get your body weight down. But if you're going for a strength-based work with body weight, you go into like a one arm type position or like a single leg pistol squat there's a lot of skill that's involved in that where it's like actually teaching somebody how to properly deadlift a kettlebell. Like they're naturally going to contract in a way and you keep building that up. Then those stabilizers are going to fire up where it's actually like you get into some gymnastics based work on that. It's going to be a lot more challenging and somebody needs to be more bought into, okay, this is a skill that I'm building as well as strength. So yeah, for people maybe just getting into it, yeah, like I can understand, like they're not fully invested in understand, and rightfully so. I mean, this is, you know, this has a little bit of some specificity to it, you know, from there. So I totally get it. So I want to pivot this into the work that you did with the Guinness World Records. So you've, you've tussled with, I believe it's the Turkish getup. Did you have for the record for most weight lifted in a period of time? Yep. I set the record. And then mm-hmm. about five months later, I beat the record. So what was, the, what was the event? What was the, what's Heaviest the weight lifted via Turkish getup in one hour for the female category. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look over. I have them hanging up on the wall. And the first one that I did, I like, I don't count it in my head because it was like, I was not prepared. 
Okay. So the first time I did it, I, I did 122 reps, 2,028 kilos lifted within the hour. Okay. And then the second time I did it, I did 188 reps and I got 3,008 kilos lifted within the hour. And then a month later, it was beaten. And then a week after that, I get a message in my DMs. Can't wait to beat her. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, look at what has been started. Like, yeah, I like less than a year ago, this wasn't even a thing. And now we got like, mm-hmm. we got a snowball. Oh my God. What, what inspired you or what made you want to attempt this record? Uh, there's a couple of things. Sure. There's a couple of things. Um, so when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. I was no longer running all over New York city, like a gym gypsy. So I was commuting, uh, my commute just door to Penn station was about an hour. And then wherever I needed to go in the city was an additional whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and my days would start at 4am and they would finish around like eight 39 by the time I get, I actually get home. Um, so right before the pandemic actually hit, I am, I end up going back to Equinox. I'm doing group classes and I'm training independently and I'm working on a bit, um, I'm working on a virtual platform where mm-hmm. I have to work out. Okay. So the amount of things that I could actually do with my training were pretty limited just because I needed my energy for this app stuff. Mm-hmm. And all I was really doing for about, For about a year, this is after I'm certified. It's like like two years after being certified, two-ish years. Like all I can really do is swing a kettlebell. So I'm swinging, I'm doing 10 mini EMOMs like four or five days a week. Mm-hmm. And it's ranging between the 28 to the 44 kilo kettlebell. Okay. And I love swinging a kettlebell. I'm just like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Pandemic hits. And I'm just, I'm so happy. I'm so happy because I can actually put together like a better training program for myself, right? It doesn't doesn't just have to be swings. However, I'm talking to my coach. So I get trained by Annie Bo. She's affiliated with RKC. And I'm like, Annie, I really want to do something big. And she's like, well, what are you thinking? And, you know, we start talking about Iron Maiden, right? And I'm like, there's no way I can do something like that at this point in time. Like Mm -hmm. I barely have a 16 kilo press. I don't have a pistol squad. And like, I'm learning how to, like, I'm just learning how to do body weight pull-ups. So I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that seems really out of reach. Okay. Right. And she happens to have a bunch of world records herself, not through Guinness, but through other, um, other affiliations. Okay. And she was like, I don't know. Do you want to like, do a record. And I was like, can I do that? And she's like, yeah. I was like, why don't I see other people doing that? And she's like, well, maybe like, that's not what their goal is. But if you want to do something big, like that's a big thing that you can can do. So I go to the Guinness site and initially I wanted to do something for swings. Right. Mm, Okay. Okay. So I see 
see you see Megan's name in there. So Megan's name's actually not in there currently. So oh, a woman, yeah, she got beat. Yeah, she yeah. got beat. Mm-hmm. So I believe it's Colette, Colette or Claudia. I don't know what her name is, but she's like, I can't find her on social media, but I mm-hmm. believe she's out in Europe somewhere. So her name's there. And then I start, you know, doing my research mm-hmm. and Megan's name comes up about her first attempt. So I'm, so I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe, maybe I can go after this. So I start training for swings. Okay. And I'm training for maybe we're like four months into it at this point. And I'm just like, I know I have a ways to go. And then at one point in time, (laughs) at one point in time, I reached out to Megan and I was Mm -hmm. like, Hey Megan, do you have any tips? And she was like, I'm trying to get it back. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to get any <laughs> Which is like, I, I get it. Like, I get it now. Yeah, totally. I get it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the time I was like, oh man, she's so mean. She's yeah. not mean. She's, no, she's you know, one of the sweetest people ever to talk she's to. She's yeah. working her ass off <laughs> yeah. to do something absolutely incredible. And I'm mm-hmm. so excited to see when she gets that title back. Yeah. So anyways, so at the time, and this is going to like, totally do like a 180 on what we're like talking about. So I've had all of these abdominal surgeries, right? I have a shit ton of scar tissue down in my lower abdominals and it impacts my pelvic floor in a really terrible way. Um, so terrible that it up until the past two years, if I would work out too intensely, I would get these crazy cramps that would leave me paralyzed on the floor for mm. a couple of hours. Okay. Um, anytime I would have sex and reach an orgasm, I would end up crying on the bathroom floor because I'm just in so much pain. Really? Yeah. So it's getting really bad in 2020 now. And I think stress also has something to do with like impacting mm-hmm. these like crazy episodes. So My husband's just like, what are we going to do about this? And I see a couple of different gynecologists. I ask them, you know, is like, what is wrong with me? What do we do? And like total bullshit from these gynecologists, Mike, the first one, like I I mentioned that it's happening during sex. So the one, the one doctor's like, just have a glass of wine. You just like need to relax. And I'm just like, that's not the answer. (laughs) Thanks. And then another one had the fucking audacity to say, you just need to have a baby. Like it'll change up everything down there. And I'm just like, wow. I don't, I don't <laughs> think this is a good great, reason to great bring, tips, doc. Yeah. bring a baby into the world. Um, so I'm just like, I'm just yeah, a little so bit lost. at a loss. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know how this comes about my Google search, but I end up finding a pelvic floor rehabilitation center. Mm, okay. So I get diagnosed from this doctor and apparently there's a lot of different things that can be wrong with your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm finally going to get the help that I need. So they tell me you're going to need to work with a pelvic floor physical therapist and you're going to need to get injections. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm going to explain this for your listeners because I bet some people don't know like what yeah. this actually entails. So working with a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, you're on a table, your legs are spread apart. Mm-hmm. This is for men and for women. 
um, and somebody goes up the vagina and is massaging the muscles to relax them. For a man, they go up your butt. Okay. okay. The injections require a needle the length of my forearm. They insert it through the vulva and I'm doing these injections every week for about two months. And the whole goal is to relax the muscles down there because mine are just so tight between mm-hmm. all of the lifting, right? between all of the scar tissue, everything's just like a mess. So the doctor tells me, this is what you're going to have to do. And I talked to my husband about it and I'm on board. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor says, and you have to stop lifting kettlebells during this time. And I was just like, you're fucking kidding me. <laughs> um, like at this time, I'm like, I'm doing like 20, 30 minute EMOMs, mm-hmm. averaging like 20 to 25 reps with a 24 kilo bell. And I'm just like, if I stop this now, it's going to be miserable to work back up to right. it. Mm-hmm. Like I can do it, but like, I don't know that that's what I really, like, I don't know if I want to go through this again. Like yeah. it's, it's a lot when you're like doing that much repetition of swings. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. Yeah. 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 And, um, so I end up going through all that stuff and I'm noticing after everything, a lot less pain working out randomly mm-hmm. sex, like everything is so much better. And I'm just like, I'm really happy that I continue to seek help. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that, you know, this is, this is a chapter that we can just shut for now. Right. Right. But I was feeling really defeated It's like, I don't, I don't know if swings are going to be the thing I go after. Right. So during the time I was like, well, I really do like Turkish get-ups. Yeah. And I went into the Guinness uh, website and there was a record for heaviest weight lifted in the hour for a man, but there was nothing for a woman. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to set it. Uh I can do that. That feels like super attainable. And my coach was like, Yeah. When you said it, like whatever happens, happens. Like there's no number to be like, just like go do your thing. We'll see how it goes. And you know, we'll take it from there. Uh So I'm really excited about it because it feels like this is something big I get to do for myself. Yeah. 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 Uh And it's also something that like, you know, I'm going to be able to inspire other women to take a chance and do something big for themselves as well. Right. Uh So I don't know if you know this, but when it comes to Guinness, when we do a Turkish getup, they don't count it if you use two hands to set the bell up and bring it down. So you have to do a single arm chest press to bring it up, do your getup, and then bring it back down. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either until the week before. So I didn't read the fine print, apparently. Um, so That changes the entire, <laughs> the entire program. So, Mike, I was drilling... I was drilling so many get-ups and I was drilling heavy get-ups. I could do, I could do uh, before so many things had to like change along the way. Yeah. But I remember in one of our last sessions, I was like, I'm going to do this with the 24. I'm going to do this with the 24. I yeah. can do this. Like I was able to sustain it. I had really great stability in my mm-hmm. shoulder to just like hold that weight up. Um, but I couldn't chest press it. Yeah. Unilateral chest press. Every rep is crazy. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And I wasn't like, I was not 
training. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not training specific horizontal pushing patterns mm-hmm. in prep for this. And anyways, the week before I was like, Annie, what the fuck am I supposed yeah. to do now? Because we're really running out of time. And I'm like, I can barely, like, I, de- I can't press a 20. I can't press an 18. I'm like struggling to press the 16. I was like, I might need to just like do this with the 14 or the 12. Yeah. So I can just keep going. And she was like, listen, you know, whatever you do is great. And whatever number you get, that's going to be like our number that we jump off with. And you can do it again if you want to. And I was like, okay. So she flies out to Arizona. She's also like located up in New Mm -hmm. York and she flies out. We do the first attempt and, you know, it's hard, but it's really doable. Like oh, I'm averaging two reps a minute. I'm getting like 30 seconds to rest. I'm like singing songs in between. Yeah. But like the thing is, I was not, I did not know that this was the weight I was going to have to use. So a lot of it was just like, I don't fully know how much I can push this because you can't switch out kettlebells. Once you tell them like, this is the weight I'm using, you can't swap it out. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first one. And I was okay. like, great. Now I just like need to train my ass to do it again and do it better. Yeah. So that one takes place in July. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we go again in December. So bring you back quick. When you went into the PT for the pelvic floor, how long did that take that, that process where you start to really feel better and you're like, all right, I'm going to go after a new attempt. Mm, Right around the time I moved out to Arizona. So all the PT stuff Mm -hmm. started in like September, we did injections throughout October, November. And then I was seeing a pelvic floor therapist like weekly, if not multiple times a week until the end of January. Okay. Man, it's how long, I mean, this, that debilitating pain, like how long were you dealing with that? Oh my gosh, almost a decade. Really? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, it is. It's so hard to just in that mindset, just to stop and be like, well, I can't stop doing what I'm doing. I'll just deal with it. It's like the devil I know is better than the devil I don't know from there, but just stepping back and just listening to your body, seeking that help out all of a sudden a few months down the road, it sucks that you have to stop what you're doing, but that really might be the solution. I mean, I think that's just a good lesson for everybody out there of like, you don't just have to keep, you know, beating your head against the wall, you know, just to figure it out. And hopefully it will just resolve itself afterwards, actually stepping back be like, no, let me, let me figure this out. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be different. It's going to challenge my identity, all that type of stuff. But you come out stronger on the other end. Exactly. It's like, you know, when you, it's almost like you're strong, but when you start to face some of your vulnerabilities, you become so much stronger. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Cause like you went from a time when you're kind of like the cardio queen, the crunch queen, you know, had a lot of issues there. Then all of a sudden changed the identity over where you found yourself. You love yourself and strength now to be dealt with this hand again of being like, Oh shit. Now I found what I love to do. Now I have to put this on the bookshelf from there. It's always interesting. Cause we always think of these like stories. Like it's a storybook time where you have like your bad time. And then all of a sudden you find it and then you got your good times. It's like, no, 
you might be, it's a pivot. It's a, exactly. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy graph that goes up and down at all times from there. So that's, that's super inspiring that you, that you found that from there. And, you know, so now you're, you did the first attempt. Now you're into the second attempt. Now we're into the second attempt. And I will tell you, I was banging out push-ups and chest press and like everything possible so that I would get a better number. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, we based, we set the goal based on what the last man had, had done. Okay. The last man, um, he, he got 188 reps within the hour. And I was like, I know, I know strength is not going to be my strong suit, but at this point in time from a cardiovascular endurance with all the getups I was doing, and I was doing like 90 minute sessions where I was just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. I was like, we're going to push this from an endurance standpoint. I was like, I'm going to get 188 reps and 188 reps is going to bring me right over 3000 kilo. That was the goal that I sat with my coach to be like, that's my number. I'm proud of that. And then like, we're done. I don't want to do this again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember, I remember the week before the week before I saw a video of Jackie. Jackie's the one who beat me. Right. I see a video of Jackie and she's like doing Turkish getups for an hour. And I call up my coach and I'm just like, Annie, Jackie's going for it. Like I should just stop. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> she's a fucking beast. She is. She didn't just do Iron Maiden. You know, she did everything five reps in a yeah, row. She's I'm five just repped like, Iron Maiden. Yeah. I'm just she, like me. It's insane. She's a beast. She's amazing. And mm-hmm. I remember reading the story as to why she ended up doing it. And I think yeah. it's beautiful. Um, that week before I remember just feeling like maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, maybe like this just like, isn't, Mm -hmm. this isn't capable for somebody like me. And I remember talking to my coach and she was just like, what are you talking about? Like, you've worked so hard for this. Like we have a number for you. We have a target that we're trying to hit. Records are meant to be broken. She was like, you can't, you can't just like give up because you see somebody else is already working to, to do something bigger. Like that's not what it's about. You know, mm-hmm. your effort still matters. You still matter. You need to do this for you. And I'm like, okay. And then, and then meanwhile, my coach is like, and she's probably not even trying to actually get the record for it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever. She's just doing this for fun. Nobody does an hour of Turkish gouts for fun. Yeah. <laughs> So we go into it and Mike, I've never had an out of body experience. I don't know how I made it through that hour. Like we took, so I would get through about 32 reps nonstop. And then I would get about 90 seconds to rest before doing it again. Okay. Mm -hmm. And first first two heats of that it's like really not that bad and then when we go for that third heat I'm just like maybe I need to stop yeah and you know I have this music blasting and my husband's there Annie's there 
Um, Danny Cavadlo happens to be there. And I'm just like, I can't stop. Yeah. Like they're here. Like my team is here. And I'm literally think like Annie happens to be, she was the, I did my RKC with Annie and coach Fury. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first day I met Annie, she was talking while just like repping out 24 kilo strip press. And I was like, she is the strongest woman I have ever seen up until this point. And I was like, I have Danny here. I have Annie here. I have my husband here. Like, I can't stop. I don't know how I made it through. At one point, like the self-doubt was so hard hitting in my head. Like I had these doubts of just saying, stop, stop, stop. It's not worth it. Stop. Which has never happened, happened to this extent. Mm -hmm. And at one point during one of my 90 second breaks, I just start screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm like, ah, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I'm saying that out loud because I need to hear it so badly for myself because Mm -hmm. internally I'm not there. Yeah. And just getting that external, um, I can do it, kept me going. And it's one of those things, you know, when I talk to any of my clients, you know, as silly as it might sound to talk to yourself out loud, I find for myself, anytime I do something big, aside from this record, if I'm going to try something for the first time, I have to talk to Colleen. Yeah. Like I have to talk to myself. Like there, there's two people here. Yeah. Because if I don't hear it all out loud, it's really hard for me to just like believe it internally. Yeah. And I think so much of the time, you know, if we do big things, like you have to believe it. So if you can't believe it in here, you have to get it out externally yes. to, to build that up for yourself. And I find that has been so helpful for me and it's been so helpful for my clients. Yeah that's, that's such a powerful message right there. I got chills with just hearing you scream out loud. I can do it. I can, there's, because, I mean, there's a couple things that are so powerful in that one, just challenging yourself. You know, I mean, I know when you see somebody like Jackie Vasquez in the rearview mirror on it, it can make you probably second guess some things that you're doing. Jackie's one of my favorite people to talk to. She's absolutely amazing, but what your coach said there is like, no, like, this is like, this is you versus you, like you're pushing on this. Like, it's such a powerful thing that we need to, you know, always recognize. And I think that under that, that putting yourself in a challenge situation where you're challenging yourself, like I used to do this when we hosted tactical strength challenges at the old studio that I worked at of like people who have never been in an athletic competition or something where it's like they were on stage for that moment and all of a sudden you were seeing people hit deadlift PRs like over and over again and doing five minute snatch tests and, you know, people doing the like pull up records and stuff. And all of a sudden you saw this look on their face of like almost confusion. Like, did I really just fucking do that? Like, holy shit. But that out of body experience, you said, when you're just yelling like that, like when you like look at yourself almost in an objective way, right. Where you get out of your own body and you can do it from a physical thing like you did there, or, I mean, even like journaling it out, you know, when you have a time of self-respect, like self-reflection, like that's such a powerful message of being like, I need to hear myself say this. I have my team around me, but those, 
those moments of self-doubt can come so hard in your head and like it can be deafening that almost the only thing that you can do is just scream over it yourself right that's so powerful i can't but that's i really appreciate you sharing that colleen that's absolutely amazing thank you yeah that's so great um this time just absolutely flew by way too fast with you, Colleen. We're going to have to do a part two on this at some <laughs> point. So, um, yeah, no, the journey that you've gotten to where you are now from, you know, everything from early on into setting the record. I mean, you are such an inspiration into this coaching world. And uh, I'm just I'm so happy to hear your story. And I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. If people want to follow you more, check out your book. Like, what's the best places that we can direct them? Um. Instagram is always a great place. I am Colleen Conlon or going to my website, www.colleenconlon.com. And you can get your copy of the book from Barnes and Noble, from Amazon. And I think that's it for right now. Awesome. Perfect. Till next time, Colleen. Thank you so much. Listeners, if you want to follow Colleen, please do so. Go check out this badass woman. I'll see you guys at the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. All right, much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.